Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining another Wubis Chat episode as a part of our series of talks uh, highlighting the business values we see in the web industry. Today's host, as usual, it's uh, Robbie Adair. Hi, Robbie. Hi. I'm so excited. We're on episode 145 of Do the Woo. Amazing. Great, great to have you today here. Uh, and also we have our guests. So first of all, we have James. Hi, James. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks. Nice to have you tonight. James is the founder of the Iconic WP and uh, Zach Tyrell. Uh, so hi, Zach. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having us. It's such a pleasure. So you've been previously on the events calendar team, but now you're overseeing the Stellar WP group. So welcome to our podcast. I hope you're doing fine. And just after this uh, short introduction, um, I will leave the floor to Robbie. Thank you very much. Thanks, Maya, for opening us up there. Okay, guys. So we're going to just hop right in. And our focus, uh, as as Maya mentioned, is is biz chat. So we like to just kind of dig in and talk about the business side of things. And that actually is a pretty broad, uh, broad topic. But uh Looking at the unique situation you guys are in with Stellar WP and the acquisitions that happened with both of your plug-in companies, what we'd like to do is just kind of get a feel for how did you both get started with your individual plug-in companies? Um, so, James, why don't you start us off? Yeah, uh, I mean, Iconic came around as a bit of a side project. Um, you know, we started out as a, as a web agency building WordPress sites for our customers. Uh, and the plugins that we built were kind of, they came from that process. So, you know, a customer might want the ability to add delivery slots to their checkout. So we, we made a website for, uh, an Indian restaurant in the UK, um, and they needed that functionality. So we made the plugin, uh, and as part of that, we kind of worked out an agreement that we were allowed to then sell that plugin to other people um, and it kind of just built up from there so that that was our first plugin was built in 2012 um, so almost 10 years ago wow do you guys still do any agency work or is it all plugin work now no it's all plugin work since we switched to the iconic brand it's always been just plugin work uh, prior to that the, the plugins were sold just under my own name cool Thanks, James. Zach, let us uh, hear about your journey. Yeah, so just a brief clarification to start. I am not over all of Stellar WP. I am I'm one of three general managers in Stellar. Uh, but I, so I, I came into this, uh, this kind of role from the events calendar. Uh, I joined the events calendar in 2015. Uh, and the events calendar has been around since 2010. Uh, so it's been, you know, a long running plugin and it was owned by, uh, by modern tribe, uh, and the partners there primarily ran an agency and the events calendar started to take off as a really successful plugins business. And so they brought me in to, to kind of run that business independently. Uh, and so for, for five years there, I ran the events calendar, uh, the whole business and grew it from, from what it was kind of a a budding distraction in an agency business to a, a full-blown uh, products business that was like 45% of Modern Tribe's overall, you know, portfolio of business. Uh, and then in late 2020, uh, we sold just the events calendar business portion of Modern Tribe to Liquid Web. 
Uh, and so I came along with my whole team and all of the wonderful people that make the events calendar, uh, over to liquid web in the, in this like blossoming software division that liquid web's been putting together. Uh, it wasn't until earlier this summer that we finally had a name for what that was. And we're calling that stellar WP. Uh, and so that includes, uh, lots of brands that you would know, lots of other really great products. Uh, the iThemes, uh, suite of, of products are under that brand, uh, cadence, um, now iconic, uh, give the events calendar. You know, it's a, it's a pretty strong and powerful group of, uh, of super smart people. Uh, with similar interests and we're able to kind of work together. We're all still very much running our businesses independently, but, uh, but taking advantage of some of the, the scale and the, the kind of, um, cross learnings that we can do between each other. That's cool that both of you guys came both, both plugins resulted out of agencies that there was needs. So those plugins, which I always find successful plugins or extensions or whatever, depending on the CMS that's out there, what's the, when something is developed because it fits a need, it's like it is already has its path to success, right? So, yeah, it's so much more customer aligned that way, right? You're developing a, a solution that's that's needed. It's not just something you created out of your mind and said, "Oh, I think I'll create," you know, solve this this niche problem that may or may not actually exist. You actually you have a customer to start with. You have a, a point of view. Awesome. Um, when we talk about business, uh, business trend at the moment, not only in web industry, but it seems that it's a, it's a, it's a global trend, like mergers are, and acquisitions are happening all over the place. And as we see, the same thing actually happened with YouTube. We, three of two of your companies have becoming part of the Stellar WP group. So how was this process for you? I mean. I mean, when, I mean, when thinking about it and then implementing it, most probably have its hurdles and joys, right? So if you can just let us know how the process of uh, joining companies actually took place. Yeah. I mean, mine was most recent, although not dramatically. I think Zach was in January. Um, it's, uh, it's a very complicated process and there's a lot of steps that, that take place. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of due diligence that, that goes on, but in terms of actually starting talking about it and initiating that process, um, Iconic has partnered with Liquid Web, uh, and Nexus for a number of years now. They, they offer our plugins as part of their WooCommerce packages. Um, so we already had that kind of relationship there. Uh, by the time that the idea of an acquisition came into my mind, um, we were approached, uh, by another company to, to buy us. And I felt it was worth reaching out to Chris, uh, at liquid web, Chris Lemmer, um, to discuss the, you know, if, if liquid web would be interested. Um, and that's how our discussions kind of came into place. Um, but it was quite nice that we already had this relationship and, you know, Chris was already aware of our products and what they do, uh, you know, how, how we've kind of grown out over the past few years as well. Um, and then from there, it was just a case of, uh, meeting with a few people. I had a, I had a call with Zach to, uh, Zach and Matt actually 
from uh, from my themes to to see how their experience of the process went um which is quite nice because it, it was uh it was good to get that understanding from you know people who are going to be in the or who were in the same position that I was going to be in um and yeah then the, then there was a massive spreadsheet of you know, a hundred or so items that I had to gather and prepare. Um, and I would say that the whole process from initial discussions to actual acquisition was probably five months. Um, so not, not ridiculously long. Um, but no, it was very smooth. I think, you know, because I'm the latest acquisition, uh, and they've done a number before me that they already have this process in place that, that they know works, uh, which definitely made things easier. For sure. And, and we, uh, we sort of fell in love with James the first time we met him. So we were, we were happy that it all went so smoothly, uh, a little bit different process for the events calendar. We, we, myself and the partners at modern tribe had been, had started kind of shopping uh, the company in early 2020, just starting to understand kind of what a diligence process was going to look like, what sort of data we needed to compile, you know, how we needed our books to be structured so that it was easily understandable by, you know, somebody who was going to kind of look closely at what we were doing and understand all of our sources of revenue. And the events calendar is a, it's a fairly large business. We have, um, we have a number of products. Uh, we've got, uh, roughly 50 human beings who work for our business, uh, spread across, you know, all, all the continents, except for Antarctica, uh, and contractors and employees and, uh, you know, international employees. So there, you know, there was a lot of complexity, uh, and the partners and I were really, really felt strongly that whatever we did needed to be a journey for the whole team. It wasn't the sort of thing where we were going to sell off this product and, um, you know, someone was going to take it apart or, or, you know, tear it down. That wasn't the kind of vision we were looking for. So late in the year, you know, we, we met, um, we met with Joe Osterling and the, the kind of liquid web team. And it was to us, it was pretty clear right away that, um, their vision for what they were building aligned with what we wanted to do and that they were very supportive of, uh, of the direction and they, you know, Joe likes to say like, he, he really just wanted to pour jet fuel on what we were doing. He did, he didn't want to change our roadmap or, or what our approaches were. He, he just wanted us to, uh, to be able to, you know, have more resources and go faster, uh, which was exactly what we were looking for too. So, uh, it ended up being a really nice match, uh, similar to what James said, it was an intense spreadsheet in our case, how we went from sort of a, a letter of intent stage, uh, to closing, uh, in just under eight weeks. So it was, it was very fast for us, uh, pretty, pretty whirlwind and intense, but, um, but yes, we got all that done. We, we needed to get it done before Christmas. Uh, and so we were able to do that and then, and then announce in the new year. Okay. So Zach, you said that you were, uh, getting prepped in 2020. So was this prior to, uh, COVID hitting? It was, yeah. We had, so we had started thinking about this prior to COVID hitting, and it's it's hard to know if 
So we, we knew, Shane and I knew that it was going to take us a while to figure out exactly what this was and how to navigate it and how to, you know, get the value that the partners needed out of a deal. Um, so we had started talking about it in January and then, you know, March came, obviously the, the world changed in March. Uh, and we thought, oh, this probably delays this process three years. You know, that's, that was what we said. We're like, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to buckle down. We're probably going to have, you know, staff turnover. We're probably going to have to shrink the company for a little while. You know, we're probably going to have to, you know, kind of reset and rebuild a little bit. Um, but honestly, it, you know, and we're running an events business, right? Like events, uh, what other business could be more disrupted than events? Uh, but our team got really scrappy in March and we were able to put together some really great virtual event stuff for our customers. Uh, and instead of sort of going into a down period through the pandemic, we, we spiked. Um, we had the best summer we'd ever had. Our year over year growth was solid. So coming into the end of the year, instead of having this story of, uh, of getting beat down and having to you know, build back up over years. Instead, we had like sailed through this tumultuous time, uh, in a way that was, there was a great story instead of, uh, a story of heartache. So, uh, we had a lot of interested parties late in the year, uh, as things started to, to get a little bit more, you know, economically stable. Awesome. That's great. It's great to hear that too. And I, you know, there were a lot of people website wise that, that do have those stories and it's fantastic. You know, I mean, it, thank goodness I wasn't running a restaurant is what I always say. <laughs> for sure. Could, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there were businesses that were hit in such different ways, but online, thank goodness it was, is overall a fairly painless process. And sometimes, like you said, it was, it was better. So as you guys brought, come into the Stellar WP ecosystem you said that you still work with your own teams but is there still an overall team that you see it as and is there what do you guys do to like kind of bring your teams into this new environment this new team ecosphere as it were i'll admit we're still going through some stuff with uh with iconic you know the first few months of trying to figure that out uh we're we're definitely still in the middle of that yeah i was gonna say it's uh it's it's a new experience for everyone um, you know, Stella, like Zuck says, is is pretty new in itself. Uh, I think it's only had a website since we joined. Um, but you know, we we've got uh, a community behind the scenes. There's uh, the whole Slack group where everyone's involved. Um, we have regular kind of catch ups. Um, and Zach and I talk pretty often. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very much like these different brands are kind of uh, carrying on as they were prior with these additional resources behind them. And, uh, you know, this collective kind of mind that, that they can interact with at any, any point. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're working through the processes. We're trying to figure out the best way to get everyone involved and also get everyone involved in, you know, world time zones who there's people spread across everywhere. So trying to find a time where every, you know, leader of each Stella brand, for example, can sit down and have a chat all at the same time, 
is uh, is a complication, but we're getting there. Yeah, everybody's kids have different bedtimes. <laughs> that's, that's the issue. <laughs> yeah. I uh, we also we talk a lot amongst the uh the sort of people who are leading the various stellar brands. So uh, you know, Matt Cromwell and Devin Walker, who are running uh Give or Impress and uh Matt Danner, I we spend a lot of time talking about things and you know, validating strategies, you know, because suddenly we can be really open. I know exactly what the revenue is for every one of these brands every single day at my fingertips. So if we're having a down week or something, I can say, is this a down week for us or a down week for WordPress? And you go look and you say, oh yeah, summer doldrums. Okay, this is fine. Like I'm not going to freak out right now. Uh, or, you know, you're like, oh no, that, that is us. I, there might be something wrong. I should go look. Um, and then Sometimes you see a spike from one of the other brands. You're like, well, what did you do? What did you put in place? And they're like, oh, well, we did this thing. We can do that thing. That's, that's a great idea. Let's go, uh, let's go try that out. So we're, we're doing a lot of that kind of sharing across brands of uh, sort of establishing best practices. Um, one of the most stellar things we've done, like actually for the brand is uh, we now have kind of a, a shared marketing resource. Uh, so, so Hazel Kimpo, uh, who probably talked to some of you to arrange this, uh, is running kind of digital marketing for Stellar. Uh, so th there are things that are not particularly brand specific that we can definitely share. So things like managing affiliates or doing ad buys or, uh, email automation, uh, those things, they're not, not particularly brand specific other than all the brands need that stuff. Um, but then if you start talking about content and, uh, and marketing strategy and campaigns and those sorts of things, it starts to get much closer to the brand. So the individual brands still kind of own and run that piece while they can defer to kind of a shared resource for the pieces where, um, we can kind of gain scale, uh, which actually makes all of us be able to act bigger, right? Because you can have one full-time email automation person. And no single brand probably would have hired that particular role, right? Because it wouldn't have been a full-time kind of gig. So uh, we're starting to figure out how to take advantage of some of that scale stuff and, and share resources where it makes sense, but also remain independent and focused on our, our unique niches where it doesn't. Do you think that um, having this all happen during a pandemic where everything is still so virtual were there unique challenges to that? Wasn't like you guys all had a, a big acquisition party and cheers to everybody and everybody got to meet the teams of the other, uh, the other teams and, and actually had faces and, and, and real live experiences with them. So did you find that it was different? Did it hurt? Did it help? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there would have been uh, complications to that anyway, being that we're in different countries. But um, that that definitely would have uh, would have been a good experience, and I think we will likely do that when we're able to. You know, I, I imagine we'll probably meet at least once a year, once we can. Um, but I mean, I think we're all fairly used to the idea of remote working. Um, you know, my team is all remote, uh, and I believe most of the other teams are, are pretty much all remote as well. Um, so I guess you kind of get used to it. You, you, you become complacent in it. Um, 
but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to be said for having the kind of social in-person interaction that we've missed, uh, even from, you know, doing word camps. I think, I feel like meeting at a word camp would have been a good opportunity for all of the teams to meet as well. Um, so hopefully we can do a lot more of that in the future. I don't necessarily feel like the pandemic has impacted how the process has gone. Um, but then I can't say, cause I, I don't know what it would have been like without that. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely missing that kind of human interaction piece. Uh, and the events calendar is hundred percent remote as well. Uh, and I think that's actually true for most of the stellar brands, I guess, uh, give has some, some physical office space and iThemes has some physical office space, but mostly we're, we're distributed. Uh, but we did get just this summer, we did get together for a few days, uh, a few, I think it was either just a week after James had, had closed with us or maybe right before, I, I guess I don't know the time exactly, but we did get the kind of stellar leaders together, um, in Austin, which was fantastic. It was a first time meeting some of these people in person and it was, it was a nice opportunity to, to hang out and make those connections. I'm looking forward to doing some more of that. Uh, if we can ever get this pandemic behind us. So speaking of another topic, like, I mean, you guys have gone like through, through like a butterfly, a butterfly through so many different phases from building an idea, from having an idea in your head and to having a plugin and then to be acquired. So I think that's one of the journeys that each uh, person solopreneur actually is uh, trying to, to get to, through all these phases, right? So what would be the advice that you would give to other plugin companies if their goal is to eventually be acquired? How would you, uh, are there any uh, like tips and tricks to save them time in actually reaching their goal? There definitely is in terms of how you structure your business. Um, but I also think that, I mean, me personally, my, my goal when I started this wasn't to be acquired. Um, that kind of came as a natural path that, you know, it, it felt right at the time, you know, it gave us the ability to amplify what we were doing, um, and do it better. Uh, I, I guess there's two paths that you can take when you're acquired, you can be acquired and go, you know, with, with the company like Zach and I have, um, or your product can be acquired and you can just, you know, break away from it right there and then. Um, I felt that I wasn't ready to break away from what I'm doing now. You know, I've been doing it for almost 10 years, like I said, um, and it, it feels like my baby really. Um, and yeah, but my point is that I, I don't think necessarily that you should start a business just with the goal of being acquired. Um. You know, I think you've got to have passion for what you're doing. Uh, and I think that's also what people buying businesses are looking for, you know, that they're not necessarily looking for something that you've spun up and, uh, made it look as pretty as possible for, for a seller. They, they want the product, but they also want you, um, you know, and your experience and your passion behind that product to, to push it forward. Um. But in terms of actually structuring your business, so it's in a good position for acquisition, 
Um, after this experience, I would say that focusing on renewals, you know, subscription based pricing is, a is a massive thing that, that particularly, you know, Stella we're looking for, um, and just having a sustainable business and making sure that your, your business is in, is encapsulated as one entity. So, you know, if you do agency work and you do product work, uh, they need to be easily identified when looking at your books, um, and you know, your income and your revenue. Um, that'd probably be the key thing for me. Yeah. I think, I think both those points are so good, James. I think, you know, having clean books that tell a clear story is really important because whoever's going to acquire you needs to know where is this going? Where am I going to take it? Right. And if, if you as the business owner don't have a path or that you don't see where it's going, then it's really hard for someone to come in and, you know, layer vision on top of what's already there. Um, and so that's something we look for. And, and the, you know, subscription revenue is pretty critical because that's repetitive, right? You know, um, if I've got subscriptions, if I've got reasonable renewal rates, I've got some sort of predictable revenue model, as opposed to, uh, what's very common in our space, which is, um, lifetime licenses, which are very customer friendly. Um, but they're definitely not super acquisition friendly, right? Cause it's like, well, you made that money once, but you're never going to make that particular money again. So what's your, and I guess you could put together a business model where you have some sort of additive nature of, of what you're selling back to those, those same customers, but it means you already paid the cost of acquisition on that customer and you're kind of done monetizing them. Uh, that's a real challenge in terms of, of putting together a, an an acquisition offer that the seller feels good about, um, your business ends up being, being much lower valued than you think. Um, yeah, but I also think the, you know, one of the things about WordPress businesses, uh, it is an open source ecosystem. So oftentimes the, the track record of the team and what they've been able to accomplish is equally valuable maybe to to the products that you're looking at so when you look at iconic for example you say well they've they've sustained this great growth over many years and they've been building these great products and expanding their product portfolio um well how have they done that like a lot of that's james right <laughs> like james is this really smart guy if james doesn't come along then some of that historical pattern or where's the guarantee that that's going to continue to happen? Who's, who's going to be James if James isn't in the equation or, or, or any of his teams so that who's coming along in the deal and what their commitment is and, and where they're going. I think that's, um, almost equally important. Yeah. I, I, it kind of ties into that. I was going to say that I think you need to have, if, if you're thinking about acquisition, you need to have a clear idea in your mind. Uh, if you want to be acquired as well, or you just want, you know, an exit, a swift exit, um, because that's going to change who you should be talking to. 100%. And that kind of leads me into the next question that I wanted to pose to you guys. And I know that Zach, you probably will have a little more experience because you've, you were there when James's company was acquired, but the, the 
question is, is there any advice that you would give to companies that are looking to acquire other companies, plugins in particular, because that's what you guys did, um, or even individuals that might be looking, not, not just a company, but an individual. So what, would, what advice would you give to them for what they're looking for? And I think some of what you just answered in prepping for it also kind of applies here, but looking at it from the buyer's point of view, what do you think would be something that they should be really looking for? Hey, I think you got to know what your goal is, right? As a buyer, what, what am I trying to do? Uh, because there's plenty of opportunities, right? Uh, especially right now, there are so many opportunities to, um, to pick up some really great products in WordPress that are looking for various different next stages, right? Whether that's, um, to join something like Stellar, where it's like, you're going to join a group of people that want to work together and make each other better, right? That's kind of our thing. Uh, or are you looking, like James just said, to exit? Are you looking for a, um, a buyer that's going to take your product and you can move on to the next project, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to want as a seller. But as a buyer, you also have to know, well, what do I want, right? Do I, am I looking to, um, Am I looking to buy a bunch of WooCommerce products that I can, I can then lead? Or am I looking to buy a business that already knows how to build WooCommerce products and has a leader and I'm going to facilitate them to continue to do good work? Um, do I, am I just an investor that wants to inject money in something and get a certain profit margin and treat it like a purely like a business and be completely hands-off, right? Like a buyer should be going into those situations with some sort of idea about what they want to, they want as an outcome. What am, what am I trying to achieve as the buyer? Uh, because that helps to narrow the focus of, of who are you going to talk to, which conversations make sense, which ones don't, right? Because if you, if you're looking to put together a, a collective of, of people and the person you talk to is like, no, I, I don't, I'm not interested and nobody on my team is interested. We just want to sell our products. Well, that still might be worth it, but it's a very different conversation. You have to understand where that's going to fit your org if you're going to do that as the buyer. Interesting point, but also when it's that emerging in positions, uh, the psychological, actually internal, internal communication with your team member, right? Because it's not always easy to explain what the future will. Do you perhaps uh, have some? How did you actually go communicate the merch goals about uh, getting acquired to your team? Were they like having some second thoughts or doubts, or how did that process go? I think uh, for me it was probably easier than Zach's process because my team is quite small. There's, there's, you know under five of us um but we got we got quite a way through the process uh myself and, and liquid web and once i kind of knew it was official it was going to happen we we had an idea of where this acquisition could take us um it was at that point that i thought i'm gonna let the team in on it um and i think their biggest concern is that Oftentimes an acquisition means that they're acquiring the product and, you know, the, the team's out the window um, and they've got to go find a new job. <laughs> uh, I think that was probably the, the biggest concern 
from the team. Um, but the, the great thing about this style of acquisition is that the, you know, it, it doesn't work without them. We, we need the whole team to come across as well. Um, and I think once they understood that it, it becomes quite an exciting prospect because they've gone from a reasonably small company, um, with, you know, certain, uh, a certain path that they could take to kind of expand their career, I guess, uh, into this much larger company with loads more routes that they could take and loads more people that they could learn from, um, to kind of work their way up. You know, we, we have the ability now to hire in more people and, you know, some of our team might become team leaders from and, and form their own team within Iconic. Uh, and to do that prior to the acquisition would have been quite tough. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a case of, sh uh, you know, making sure they know that they are valued and they are iconic. Um, in my case, it, it, what was the most important part for me? Yeah. And you mentioned sort of the the human empathetic portion, it was, um, emotionally probably the hardest part of the overall acquisition, right? Um, the first part being the kind of that quiet period where you can't talk to anyone on your team about what's going on. Uh, and so that's kind of terrifying. You're, uh, you know, in my case, I sort of was doing a really bad job at my day job while doing, you know, uh, eight weeks worth of diligence, uh, 50 hours a week, right? Uh, you know, trying to get a deal closed and everybody's like, what, what are you doing? Why aren't you around? Where are you? What's going on? You know? So that was very kind of lonely and strange. Um, and then, so we did an announcement, uh, again, when we were certain that the, uh, that the deal was going to happen, we brought, uh, the whole team together on a big zoom, you know, everybody explained to them what was happening. Um, in our case, those, those emotions were ramped even higher because it was kind of like a divorce for us, right? Not, not necessarily like not in all of the negative ways, but we were, we were separating from modern tribe, right? The modern tribe agency continues to exist today and they're doing great work. Um, but they're not us anymore. We're, we're not modern tribe and we were right. We all have the tribe apparel and shirts and blankets and coffee cups. Right. And now we're the events calendar or we're liquid web or we're stellar WP now. Um, so explaining that to the team and explaining, you know, even though you didn't work with this person, but you, you know, maybe shared a room with them at a team trip, they're like not they're not a coworker anymore. And so that kind of stuff was, it was hard. Um, and, and the other part is, you know, on both sides, you know, they were sort of a little scared at first about, you know, is my job secure? Do I have a, you know, am I going along for the ride, which we repeatedly assured everyone that they were, you know, that was a universal thing we wanted everyone. And it was always clear from clear and consistent messaging because it was a hundred percent true. Uh, but, but also on our side of, are all these people going to go with us? Right? Like this is a disruptive event to the team. How many people are going to say, you know what? I'd been thinking about other opportunities and maybe it's the, maybe now's the time to go do something different. So that's always a, 
a risk in that conversation too, because you want everybody, but they, you're not necessarily going to get them all because that is a, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, so it was, it was challenging and emotional and we, uh, we actually have just some absolutely wonderful leaders within the events calendar team. Uh, one of them wrote, uh, wrote this piece for the team about sort of this raw piece to the team about all the emotions he was feeling. He's one of the, the, the engineering leader on my team. And it was, um, it was just very open about everything that he was feeling and, and how it was affecting him, but then also why he was excited and why some of these opportunities and if, if truly all of our jobs were protected, why this was a good thing and how we were going to do more interesting things. And so that I think really started to cement the, like, not just looking back, but looking forward ideas of, of what this was going to mean to the team. And, uh, you know, I think still sometimes it's like, we're struggling to fully percolate that, that vision down of what we're all trying to do collectively. But the good news is, at least in TC, nobody got a new boss except for me. So from a day-to-day -day standpoint, you know, six weeks into this thing, it was like, oh, I'm still working with all the same people I was working with before. I'm still getting paid. I still talking to everybody in Slack. The culture really hasn't changed that much. So it didn't end up being, um, it didn't end up impacting people's day-to-days as much as it maybe it felt like it would uh, when we first announced it. Did you lose any team members, either of you? No, I didn't. I mean, Zach, yours was a little different because you were separating piece uh, a team. But of your team, were there any of the team that was, didn't want to didn't want to move? So I had one team member who had already been considering going back to the agency uh, to to work. Um, he had been he'd sort of come over to work with us, kind of on a tour of duty, and he had been around for probably two years. Uh, well before the announcement, he was already starting to lean back towards agency. So he stayed. Um, so that was initially one out of 50. Um, we have had probably, I wouldn't say high, but higher than normal turnover this year. Um, and I, it's hard to know a hundred percent if that's, was it this disruptive event or was it just that we're in a ridiculously good market for engineers, right? It's like, uh, it's probably... A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, uh, but I didn't lose anyone in my leadership team, which I think is great. Uh, and and we've had a bunch of people who've had opportunities to kind of either move up into bigger roles or um, were ready to graduate from support into engineering. And so we had, you know, we might have had an engineer who left for a for a new role somewhere else. And it, it so most of the turnover we have had has been um, pretty healthy. Uh, Though it's always, you know, it's always painful to lose people. And you are right, though, that it, right now there's a lot of turnover for, turnover for everyone just because the job market is insane right now. Just like housing is crazy. All of it, it doesn't make sense after this pandemic, but it is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You, somebody comes to you, you're like, they're like, I got an offer to be paid 50% more. It's like, okay, well, that's wonderful. You should go do that. <laughs> How about the, the values? I wanted to, now that to have, uh, I mean, just by merging and being uh, uh, part of the same acquisition, uh, different cultures uh, mix. And, uh, have you guys experienced perhaps the mix of different cultures? 
within your teams? And, uh, are there any new values that you gained with, uh, with this uh, new grouping, to say? Uh, I mean, so our team's always been quite multicultural anyway. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a lot more uh, openness within, you know, the, the overall team of Stella. Um, you know, everyone's always communicating with each other, uh, giving praise where praise is deserved. Um, and everyone's just quite open and, and, you know, uh, inclusive on, on how everyone feels and, and works. Um, I mean, I'm fairly, I haven't been around long enough to be impacted by, uh, any dramatic cultural changes. Um, you know, over, overall, I think, especially in, in our industry, everyone's quite aware of different cultures anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's quite a key thing to, uh, to take note of, um, so yeah, I mean, for me personally, I haven't experienced too much that would, you know, change how I already interacted with people. So I'll say there was a little bit more of some initial culture clash between, um, us and kind of the hosting side of the liquid web business. Um, there's absolutely great people there, but they predominantly worked out of, out of offices. Um, in San Antonio and in Lansing, Michigan. So there was a lot of talk around, you know, um, we can't wait to get back to the office after, you know, things start to open up and we're all like, well, we don't have an office to go to, you know, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, they, they didn't necessarily have the same experience with, with vastly distributed workforces and, you know, contracts that needed to be written for, um, various different countries and various different national employment laws. And so some of the stuff that we, and we had kind of grown some muscles around because half of our team was, you know, international contractors that we treated the same as a, you know, full or part-time employee where everybody is just a person on the team contributing. Uh, so that was a little challenging early on to kind of break those walls down and, you know, in, in liquid webs, you know, uh, grace they were they were great about handling that right they're good about saying like we don't know how to do this like we're gonna be bad at this for a little while you can help us please um i think it would maybe a little better by the time that james uh joined all of his people being international but it's still you know i would say the biggest hurdles in the uh in the iconic acquisition were probably around you know international employee contract writing because we, liquid web just isn't great at that still they're getting better yeah there were definitely uh complications around that and i i think i'm not sure whether we were the first uk-based employees yes <laughs> despite having i think 20 other countries represented we didn't have anybody from the uk at that moment yeah so there, there were some hoops to jump through there um but it like I said before, you know, everyone's very open. Um, you're aware of everything that's going on, uh, all of the time anyway. So it, there's no, you know, behind the scenes, uh, stuff that you don't know about. It's, it's all very involved. Well, so 
because we are on Do The Woo. So you know I'm going to ask you some questions about the plugins that are related to WooCommerce. And are there any future plans that you can share with us about that or any challenges that you can share with us about those uh, plugins? There's there's definitely both of those things. Um, yeah, we've got some we've got some great plans coming up. Uh, you know, we've we've got a big collection of plugins anyway. We, I think we've got fifteen uh, live plugins at the moment, um, and we have some really nice plans for some of our most popular plugins to kind of open them up a bit more to even more people and just bring in some nice new technologies that we haven't had the capacity to do prior to you know this experience um so that's going to be really cool so say so for example that's going to be woo thumbs flux checkout uh delivery slots i'm really excited about the stuff you're doing with flux checkout like i think that's a that's such a such a cool product i was going to say flux checkout is probably going to be the, the, the most impactful change that we make um you know the, the checkout space in woocommerce is quite thriving at the moment uh and there's there's a few key competitors and we've got some stuff up our sleeve that's gonna bring flux right out in front as well um so we're really looking forward to that and that's that's underway now uh we do have some additional plugins which we will be releasing into the mix as well um with regards to better filtering for woocommerce uh, we're going to be doing a nice comparison style plugin. Um, but you know, we're, we're pretty open. We, uh, we want to keep improving what we've already got and, you know, making sure that they're focused around the customers, but also keeping up with, with where WooCommerce is going. And that's part of the challenge, you know, that anyone can make products for WooCommerce and you see them coming out, uh, all the time. Um, so to to keep up and make sure that yours is the best not only do you have to have equivalent features um you know you, the actual support that the customer receives behind the scenes as well is uh is vital um and it's something that that we really pride ourselves on is offering the best support that we can um and having our products very customer focused on our side, we have, uh, our event tickets plus, uh, product is, uh, it's a WooCommerce product or compatible with WooCommerce product for selling tickets. And it's honestly probably the plugin we see with the most sort of ceiling for growth. Uh, so we're, we're doing lots of investment on, on that project and we've done, you know, tons of work around better attendee management and, uh, you know, we're hoping we had kind of delayed some work we were doing on our mobile app for, you know, in-person check-ins for events and, and stuff like that. Last year, we're, we're open to dust some of that work off so that, uh, as people go back to events, we can get some of that stuff going. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of, uh, really interesting stuff in the ticket space that, that we're hoping to do even more with and, and really, you know, use WooCommerce as a, a strong platform to power commerce around events. Awesome. And have you guys uh, been integrating the Woo payments in as that was introduced? Uh, I mean, there's not really much that, that you need to do. You know, if, if it works with WooCommerce, then it, then it works with our products as well. Uh, that That's always our aim, that we don't want to 
create new conflicts. Um, so, I mean, they, they, they've built that out in a way that it's literally just a, a payment gateway. So it's, it's going to work the same way that other payment gateways work. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a very nice looking awesome. solution. So James, if people wanted to, uh, follow along and see whenever there's new releases, uh, and what's coming up or when you guys drop something else, tell us how can they find you guys and information about it? So our website is iconicwp.com. Uh, we're on Twitter as iconicwp and we're on Facebook as iconicwp. Uh, so basically just search for iconicwp and you will find us, um, and sign up to our newsletter via the blog. Uh, we, we tend to do weekly newsletters, um, with content from the blog and also, you know, announcements of what's new in our products. Fantastic. Zach, what about you? Yeah, similar idea. You can find us at theeventscalendar.com. Uh, our Twitter is theeventscal, uh, and, and certainly, you know, come subscribe to our newsletter. We'll, we'll send you all sorts of updates and tell you what we've got going on. Uh, but I also should plug stellarwp.com and, uh, our stellarwp Twitter handle as well. So we're, we're starting to build a following and, and get more recognition out for our, uh, for our new collective umbrella brand. All right. Stellarwp.com. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Um, we've really enjoyed the conversation here. I think that the information that you guys provided will help other business owners, whether they're thinking that maybe one day they could be acquired or whether they're looking to grow their own company by acquiring another company. I think the information that you guys told us today will really be of benefit to them. So I thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And don't forget, you can always catch uh, Do The Woo podcast, sign up, subscribe. And we want to thank our two pod friends for their support today. You can check them out at wayflawyer.com and tenupselasticpress.io. So thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.